Hey everyone, Anna Lytle here. And Kat Pusey. And welcome Welcome to to the the Modern Farm and Artisan Co-op Podcast. We're here connecting you to the lives and stories of our local farmers, makers, and educators that are all dedicating themselves to positively and powerfully impacting the Southern Utah community. And before we get started, I would just like to mention that we have a Patreon set up for this podcast. And you can find that by going to Patreon and searching the Modern Farm and Artisan Co-op. If you are following us on Instagram, we also have a link to that in our bio to make it super easy for you. And we just felt that this would be a good way to help cover the costs of like our editing software and the hosting service and all the equipment that we have to have to make this possible. And each episode takes about 10 to 15 hours to edit. So every little bit helps. We really do love bringing this podcast to you all and we know it is a challenging time for everyone. So we, you know, we really understand that. But if you do feel the desire to even chip in $2 a month, it would mean so much to us. And once we get more supporters, then we can start rolling out the special swag. We're hoping we can have our local artisans make special stickers and magnets and maybe even hats and t-shirts for this podcast. So we have more ways to show our local support. In today's episode, we are talking with Melissa Doms of Melissa Doms Art. We learn about how she got started crocheting. We learn about how she met her husband and their time in living in the Netherlands. And then when they came back and how she started selling her crochet animals and dolls. As you'll be able to tell, you had a lot of fun talking with Melissa. She was so much fun to chat with. And so we hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. And if you're interested in in purchasing her work, you can find her crocheted dolls and animals at the Modern Farm and Artisan Co-op at 55 North Main Street in downtown St. George. All right, let's get talking with Melissa. Well, let's start, start us off. Can you give us some info on your background and how you got started crocheting? So let me tell you about when I first started crocheting. I was uh, 12 years old and it was part of a like a youth activity like in my local church. The lady who came in and taught us, she was a retired a home economics teacher and she was awesome, by the way. She uh Joy Gagan is her name. Um so she sat down with us and like taught us the basics. And the the first thing that we made was basically a granny square. Are you familiar oh, yeah, with it? Yeah. So, and we just like made it bigger and bigger and bigger until it was like a blanket size granny square. And um, so she would come in once a month and like, we'd all bring our supplies and sit down and she'd help us where, you know, we're frogging on the pattern and make it good again. And then we started it in the summer. And by the time it was Christmas time, hopefully everybody's was like big enough to give away Oh, that's cool. So then we went over to the local, like, convalescent center. Do they even have those anymore? They're all called care centers now or something. Well, and we were supposed to, like, okay, take your blanket with you, walk around in here, and find someone to give it to. So it was, like, a big deal for me. You know, when you're 12, you're kind of nervous around older people anyways. And some of the people in there were, like, nonverbal communicating and but I just was like, okay, I'm gonna find somebody and I'm gonna give it to them. 
And then what was like such a joyful thing to like make something and give it away that I like got really into that. So maybe the rest of the kids in my youth group were like, okay, that was fun. And they never picked it up again. I stuck with it. (laughs) And I just kept making granny square blankets, granny square blankets again and again to the point where I asked my school teacher in sixth grade, is it okay if while you're giving the lesson, if I work on my, my Afghan blanket back here? And she was like, well, as long as, yeah, you're getting good grades, and as long as you're not, like, disruptive, you can go ahead and do that. Oh, my gosh. So she let me do that because, and the main reason why was because there was, like, a middle school art competition, and I was going to enter my blanket in the competition. So she said, because it's school-related, you can do it. So I was, you know, in the back of the classroom, <laughs> crocheting along while I listened to her, you know, teach and stuff. And then I, th- I thought it was like really nice, too, because some of the other kids, they were kind of like teasing me, but in a playful, fun way. And they were like, oh, you're, you're like a professional granny. And <laughs> I was just like, oh, that makes me feel so special. <laughs> you know, like I wasn't insulted by it because like I admired my own grandma. Right. So I was just like, oh, this is so cool. I'm like a professional at something, you know. Yeah. At such a young age, so... I'm known for this. I'm known for this. I'm special. Like, there's something special about me. So, I didn't... I wasn't insulted by it. And then, I got, like, first prize on that. What, come, come, come time for the art just show. Just so you know, I won. I won. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm good at something. I'm not just an average kid. Well, I am pretty average. <laughs> but, um, I was like, I'm good at something. You know? That's awesome. I love that it was like, I mean, I I relate to the grandma thing. Everybody always was like, this is my grandma friend, Kat, because I was really into embroidery. and I get that too. Yeah. I would always, I love sewing and stuff like that, but I just never could get consistent with crocheting. But I'm just loving the visual of this like sixth grader in the back of the room. <laughs> you know, I was kind of a geek, but. That's awesome. Do you feel like that helped with your focus at all though? Because it kept like your hands busy. I don't know if I, like, even paid attention, really, to what the teacher was saying. Because, you know, when you're, like, crocheting, you have to kind of, like, focus on your count. But she just didn't have a problem with it. And you obviously... I wasn't, like, passing notes like the other kids, you know? You obviously did fine in her class, so... Yeah, I did fine in the class. Maybe she thought it was kind of cool or something. I'm sure she found it at least, I think she probably found it really cool, but at least like endearing, humorous. Like this kid is like just back there crocheting away. Like I can't even be mad about it. You know, like it's so cute. Like I think that would be probably, it's just so funny because we were talking about this last night and it was like talking about your role in other people's story. She has probably retold that story to everyone like my one of I my must find that Mr. Yeah. Bias yeah. yeah you're like one of my favorite students used to just sit in the back and crochet like I bet I was a favorite student <laughs> I was a good student you know yeah I, I did my homework I turned it in I was quiet and I was polite so and you crocheted that's right <laughs> what is she gonna get mad at you about <laughs> Watch out, I got a hook here. <laughs> so you have this experience where you have this great 
memory of love and giving it away and making something and then you make this art competition not long after it and when did so did you keep on going just making it for fun or when did you start thinking I could maybe sell these oh that came much later oh okay yeah I just kept on crocheting blankets over and over again for people oh cool and just you, as gifts really family friends yeah and then at some point like it took me a really long time much. to try a new stitch even oh, really? yeah finally at some point I was like I'm going to try a new stitch I'm just gonna do single crochet back and forth and then I made like my first bag and then I was like I made something else something like useful not just like a blanket that you just but something that you that's functional and then I was like, this is awesome. And then I made bags a lot, a lot of different bags. And at some point I finally crossed over and made hats. And you know those how like you'll buy yarn and it will have a pattern on the oh, label? Yeah. Yeah. I tried to follow those patterns and I never could. They were so hard to read. Yeah, I can't either. That makes me actually feel way better because you're like an amazing crocheter. So I need like, like the explanations, like the patterns that are like, 15 pages long, like explaining well, the what to way, do. The way patterns are written now, they are a lot easier to follow, a lot more easier to follow along. Yeah. Whereas like the ones that used to be on those labels, they were like as condensed as they possibly could to like fit as much information on there. Yeah. And I just didn't know what the abbreviations meant, right. you know, cause they don't explain that. But if you get like a book from the library, the first couple of pages will usually tell you like, these are the abbreviations and this is how you do the different things and then they will go in and like give patterns and stuff so i just want to take a moment this is pre pinterest pre-internet like because people sometimes like we have this whole like my little sister wouldn't will never understand having to go to the library and learn it or having to have someone come in and show you to learn something like you couldn't just google it you couldn't just pinterest it that wasn't a thing like you'd have to go and research it that's really cool and i remember actually i think it was probably about maybe 10 years ago i'm not sure um, that's when I was living in the Netherlands and I came across this woman's blog when blogs were big, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> yeah. and blogs actually blogs. I think pr- like they were the whole pre Pinterest. Yeah, every yeah. reason why Pinterest became it. Okay. But you came across this so blog. So I came across this blog and she had like very detailed photos of like each oh. movement of the stitch. And, um, she was like showing how to make a flower, for example, just something really small and simple, like a flower. Those things, I say small and simple, but that's funny because when I used to see flowers, I was like, how do they make that? That looks so intricate. Yeah. But then she like broke it down in these like step-by-step photos on her blog. And I was like, I can do this. I can make a flower. And so that was huge for me to be able to make a teeny tiny flower. I could never make that before. I was like making huge blankets, but I couldn't make a tiny flower. So there was definitely a process for me like learning different little techniques. I think the first time I made um, like a stuffed animal toy was probably about 10 years ago. And I used the thicker like worsted acrylic yarn that you mostly see at the grocery store, like those red, whatever, like red heart. super saver, red heart, super saver kind of yarn. And um, that because of that, the way that yarn is made, it's like kind of stretchy. Yeah. 
So toys that are made out of it will eventually like stretch and they'll lose their shape, right? So I was like, ugh, this doesn't look very good. I put a lot of time into this and it doesn't look very good. So I just never really did anything with it. I made one toy, I was like, this doesn't look very good. And it was a hard pattern to read for me because it was in Dutch. So it was like, there's like all these different languages, right, in the world. But then when you read a pattern in another language, that's like... That would be really hard. Even harder. I could do it with a recipe, no problem. But I was like, cooking you, is you one speak thing. Dutch, right? You're, well, I can get by. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I can get by in a grocery store. Let's just say that. So it counts. So it I counts. can make a recipe. I can cook a recipe, no problem. But like reading a pattern in another language is like a whole nother bowl game. So I had to like translate it to English, then make the pattern. It just, and then we still have that one. It was a bunny rabbit I made for my daughter. And we still have it. And I look at that thing and I'm like, boy, that thing is ugly. You know, (laughs) it's the worst thing I've ever made. (laughs) The first thing, the first toy I ever made was definitely the worst. So when did you, when did you start selling? Last year. That's it. Just last year. Well, yeah, pretty much. I'm trying to think if I ever sold anything before. And I think there was a couple of times that people in the past were like, oh, can you make me this minion hat? And I'm like, you want me to make it for you? Because if you go on Etsy, there's like 150 people making those, you know? (laughs) You can just order it off there. Just order one, right? (laughs) But I was like, okay, yeah, I'll make you one. So then they, you know, pay me a little money and then I'd, I'd make it for him. But I kind of felt like that wasn't really my calling, you know, right. even though there's a lot of great hats out there, crochet hats. But I kind of feel like the market's a little bit diluted. Yeah, in saturated. Crochet hats. Yeah. Oh, saturated. There you go. And like people who make crochet hats and crochet bags and crochet discs. Yeah, it's very typical. I, 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 but you know, your stuff is very unique. Like the, the dolls, you don't see it the way you do it. Yeah. And that's funny that you say that because I've been like following and like crushing on crochet toys for so long that it's like, is it unique? It's kind of hard for me to realize because I've been following that trend myself for so long. And like, you should see my Pinterest board. It's like, it has like thousands of toys in it. So I've already been following other people making them. And isn't that interesting that I had to follow it for that long before I finally was like, okay, I'm going to buy a pattern and make one again. And that happened last year. Oh, wow. When I was like, this pattern's so cute. I'm going to make this one. I have to make this. I have to try again. So I made that one. And again, I made it with that worsted yarn again, because that's just all I ever like crocheted with. I never crocheted with cotton or anything. So I made that one. And then I was like, okay, this is, this is pretty cute. This is cute enough to donate to a cause. So I donated it to a cause. (laughs) This is cute enough to give away. Melissa. I gave it away, but I, before I gave it away, I took all these pictures, put it on my Instagram, right? And I was like, this thing turned out so cute. If you're interested in getting this, head on up to Diamond Valley Elementary School. We're doing a fundraiser and it's gonna be in the giveaway, you know? That's awesome. And then that's when the big surprise came. Like five different people reached out to me and said, will you make me one? Really? And 
I was like, what color do you want, you know? And so I was like, okay, I have all these different colors yarn, just let me know. And that's kind of when it started for me. So it was like last September. Wow. A year ago. A year ago. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's really cool. So I want to digress for a minute and ask how you ended up in the Netherlands. So are you originally from Utah? Yeah, I'm originally from St. George. Oh, you are. And then how did you get out to the Netherlands? Well, after college, I was living in Phoenix, Arizona, and I was, this is kind of a fun story, actually. (laughs) You know how people have stories? This is one of my stories. So anyways, I was with some friends and they were um, brunettes, I will tell you. And they were on this website that was completely new to me, website, never heard of it, hotornot.com. Well, I never heard of it. Do you know it? Mm-hmm. Well, you rate people on a scale of one to 10. <laughs> so that's why I've never heard of it because I hate things like that. <laughs> well, this is the funny part. I guess you can like, rate like men specifically or women specifically so you can choose who you want to rate so they were rating all the blonde women one and i was like what are you doing (laughs) dropping the average that's right they said all of the blondes have really high scores it's not fair and it's not normal you know compared to the brunettes and i was like are you kidding me The funny thing is, there's like another side to the um, to that website where you can meet people. Oh, okay. But before I found that out, I was like, I want to get rated. Put my photo on there. <laughs> so <laughs> I was rated like a four. That was my average. I was like, I'm not a four. I'm at least a seven. I'm no supermodel, but I'm not ugly. Oh my god, that's so awesome. <laughs> but anyways, once I got home and like did my hair and put on my makeup, made myself really pretty and uploaded my new photo. Then I realized, hey, you, you can meet people on here. Oh, cool. Um, and so I just put like a little description about myself. I guess it's like preceded, what's this popular app where people swipe? Oh, uh, Tinder. Oh, yeah. Tinder, yeah. yeah. From what I've heard, it was like kind of like a Tinder kind of thing. Oh. So I just put a small description about myself. Like, I love the 4th of July. I love trance music. That's what I listen to a lot when I'm crocheting. And I'm one of those people. And uh, <laughs> I don't even remember what else I said about myself, but I met all these different people from around the world that were like, oh, you must be American. You must be American. And I kept saying, why does everyone know I'm from America? And they said, because you like the 4th of July. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, well, it's just a really nice day, you know? British and we're super excited that we got rid of that place. <laughs> Great. Just joke. So that was funny, but that's how I met my husband. Oh, it's oh, so that. funny. And he's Dutch. He was in the Netherlands. And um, so the one thing that we had in common was that we both listened to trance music. <laughs> so he was like, Oh, you like trance? I like trance. <laughs> Let's get married. <laughs> Well, it was funny because, you know, growing up, I had a lot of pen pals. Remember pen pals used to be a thing back then? So I had like a Korean pen pal and one from the island, St. Martinique, and I had a girl pen pal in England. So when I met my husband, I was like, 
you know, to be, I was like, Hey, you're in the Netherlands. Tell me about it. You know, I had pen pals growing up. So to me, I'm just, I'm going to learn about another culture now, but it very quickly turned flirty. It wasn't like those other pen pals, (laughs) you know, it was like, I met him on hot or not. And I thought he was hot, you know, (laughs) did you rate him? I don't know if I rated him, but if I did, he would have been like a 10. Actually, he brags about, yeah, your average score was a four. I was a nine, you know? (laughs) Well, good for you. Good for you. (laughs) And me. Feels like I still won. (laughs) That's right. I won and you lost. (laughs) If you're you're trying to make me feel bad about it. (laughs) It's true. Anyways, he came um, out to Phoenix a couple of times. And then we were like, let's get married. Cause I was like, don't leave. Don't go back there. Stay with me. And he was like, I hate the rain. Great. I'll live in the sun. You know? And I like you too, by the way. You know? I hate the rain. <laughs> so yeah. So we got married in, and we were living in Phoenix for a couple of years. And then I was like, I'm ready to start a family. And he just hadn't been able to get a job very easily in the States. So I was like, let's go back to the Netherlands. And he was like, no, no, no. It rains so much there, you're not gonna like it. I was like, I've been to visit and I thought it was fine. You don't speak Dutch, so let's stay here. I was like, what am I, stupid? I can take a class, you know? Oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> I had to like really convince him to go back to his homeland, which is kind of weird to me. I'm like, how, can, how do you not miss your homeland? I'm not like that at all. You know, like I went the whole time I was living there, I was like, well, let's plan another trip back home to America, you know? But so we finally did, you know, he finally agreed and we moved there, but we had a 10 year plan. Like we'll live here for 10 years. We'll have our children and we'll move back. And you did. That's exactly what we did. So your kids have dual citizenship. Yeah. Oh, that's Mm -hmm. cool. And do they all speak Dutch too? They lost their Dutch. I blame him. (laughs) (laughs) He won't speak Dutch. He won't speak Dutch to them. I think he's like, he's kind of self-conscious and embarrassed to speak Dutch um, to them out in public and stuff because people had said things to him like, oh, it's rude to speak another language when people can't understand you. And I was like, don't listen to those people, you know? Yeah. But he just wished they could speak another language. He's kind of like that where he's like, it's better if we just all fit in and I don't want to stand out. He's not the artist. No, I guess not. He is artsy. He's creative in in his own way, but I guess... And he used to be super popular in school. He's always telling me, like, I was the most popular kid in my elementary school. (laughs) I love it. But but he doesn't like to be the center of attention anymore. But he did like it back then. Yeah. Monty was like that, too. He He always tells me about how he used to be class president. And I'm like, what? He like will not talk to anybody. He's like so introverted, and I'm like, I just don't understand. Yeah, what happened? Yeah, it changes with age, I guess. What happened? <laughs> so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Did you have this experience? No, my husband's an extrovert. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm the introvert in our relationship. I've gotten better yeah. since being married to him, mm-hmm. but he can talk to anybody about anything for hours. Yeah. Like it's shocking yeah it's unreal (laughs) it's just shocking because you know like you would probably feel this way too talking to kelby is is that both of you know both of our husbands are introverts so it's like we have to do the talking for the couple and when you meet kelby he's just like 
hey, how's it going? But like, and he can talk to you about anything. He's really easy. Just oh, you're just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Men do that. Yeah. They all have they have, they have their own personalities too. Yeah. yeah, but he's the only one like that. Like his brothers aren't really like that. Really? It's just yeah, it's just him. Each kid in the family is different. I could tell that from my own as well. Yeah, I hope my kids are a little bit more extroverted. I was like, Ira is an extrovert for sure. Really? <laughs> Mine are all really shy. But when they were little, they were really outgoing. So they're going to be just like their dad, really outgoing little kids. And the older they get, the more shut down they get. I don't know. Ira is just like... Like, he sees people. He's like, hey, how are you? Hi, can I touch your baby? What's going on? What are you doing? You want to hang out? I have some neighborhood kids like that, too. Every time I go out to the car, they come out and talk to me. I love them. He's, it's been like the lockdown has been hard on him. Like he was the only one that was like, like I was like, this is great. And Monty's like, I wish I got to stay home. And Ira is like banging his head on the walls. Like, let me out. I need to go to school. I need people. Mom. So he's a true extrovert. If he yeah. needs people, though. He, he needs people. How many kids do you have? I have four kids. Four kids. Okay. And they were all born in the Netherlands. Yeah. So in the Netherlands, do they all speak multiple languages too? Or is it mostly just Dutch? Well, the official language is Dutch. Yeah. But then in school, the children also learn German and French, I believe. And then they have different level high schools. Yeah. So depending on which level high school you go on to based on like personalities so like those kids that are like honor students here in america they're like i'm coming to the highest level high school i'll be taking latin greek french german english yeah and they're dutch they take all those languages but then when they graduate from high school they can go straight to university they don't have to like stop off at um the BA degree, they can go straight on up to the higher level. What? So you could like jump straight to a master's program? Right. There you go. What? Because it's such an intense like um, higher level school. Yeah. But I, I only knew a couple of people who did that. Wow, that's amazing And the though. people who did that, they did walk around with an air of superiority. Oh. Is that the right word? Yeah. Anyways, because they, no, knew, they, they knew they were so. like the smart kids. <laughs> And those are the, usually the people that go on to like become doctors and lawyers and whatever, those kind of jobs. So they need to have that Greek or Latin um, base. Oh, uh, for all the medical terminology. Yeah, or for law or whatever. Yeah. My so. sister studied in Aalborg in Denmark for a while. And she was. So she's really smart? <laughs> no, she is very smart, actually. She used to insult us as kids, and we'd have to look it up because she read the dictionary for fun. <laughs> but uh, these people, man. She you know? was like, she said, she was just like, I'm super excited because I'm going to go over there and I'm going to learn Dutch and blah, 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 blah. And she well, was, that's, that's she not was Dutch, like, though. Or like she thought Danish. Danish, Danish. Yeah. Well, I know. All of it. And, um,. She said when she got there, she was disappointed because everybody spoke better English than she did. Yeah, their English is really good. <laughs> like, 
It's actually kind of hard to learn another language when you're over there. It's hard to learn their language because they all want to practice their English with you. Oh, right. And they can they pick they pick it up really quickly that you're because you, for sure you've conjugated something wrong, and then they're like, oh, you're American, you know? Yeah. Or you're you speak Within English. Seconds. It's oh yeah. Just like you're, quickly, you're an American. Except for when I would like talk to people that were that lower level education they didn't have the english and then i had to i had to speak my dutch with them even if it sounded terrible i just had to speak with them because they didn't they didn't know any english so i did get to learn some dutch and use it in a lot but a lot of people just spoke english to me so that's, that's really it's like one of those countries that's like kind of nice to visit as a foreigner as a tourist because you know, it's like going to England or something. Yeah. Where you feel like, oh, I can There's speak no to these language people. There's no barrier. That's right. But my experience from, because I did do a little bit of traveling around there, my experience was just about everybody speaks English. Even in France, everyone spoke English. But they don't like Americans. Like, I've heard if they know you're American, like, they treat you kind of rude. It might be like that if you're outside of the touristy areas, but when you're in the touristy areas, that's not the case. And I went to Paris, and that you can't get more touristy than that. You know, yeah. But and it was fine. It was totally fine. Spain, on the other hand, they don't speak that as much English. Not because they're snobs; they just don't speak as much English. Yeah. I was like trying to remember, like, how do you say this? How do you say that? Trying to recall, like, high school Spanish it was real hard. <laughs> but maybe that's changing now because I know that there's a lot of um, like foreigners that live in Spain now. Oh, yeah, like expats. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many expats there now. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah, I want to go to Europe someday. I think you should go I someday. I like it. Yeah. It's I, definitely worth it. Well, my I, I, I know French, and my family's like half French, and I've always wanted to go to France. Oh, so well, they love it, too, when you speak their own language to them. Yeah, They're well, really I'd, I'd have to impressed. practice, because yeah, I've... The French would like you. <laughs> you fit right in. <laughs> With all that military training, French, right? That's where you... Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah. I went to Italy, and I've been to, um, yeah, Great Britain and stuff. But Italy, for a long time, I was like, I want to die there. (laughs) I was like, I don't want to live here. I want to die there. But uh, I don't know. I'm warming up to the desert now. So anyway, but it's fun. Um, so with your crochet, like, do you do custom work? If people want something, they can contact you and you'll yes, make it. That's like mainly what I've had. You know, I first started out making that bunny rabbit last year and then several people reached out and said, oh, can you make me one? And so then that's kind of how like the custom thing went where it was like, what color do you want that? Yeah. So you didn't even start out just making like, this is my line. You just started making out custom work. That's right. And then, but that's kind of funny too, because then after I made like eight bunnies or something between like September of last year and Christmas. I actually remember your bunny face. Do you remember all those little bunnies with the little like flower crown? Yeah. And I might, I did get another order for another one of those bunnies. I'm trying to decide like if I want to make it exactly like that or if I want to like switch up the look of it because... All those bunnies had the straight up ear, yeah. and I kind of like the floppy ear bunnies. Yeah. So I might make like kind of similar to that, but with the floppy ears is what I'm thinking about doing. Yeah. 
for that custom order this week. Um, but then Christmas came, and I was really busy with the gingerbread parade thing that I do, and then um, then nothing for a while. And then I participated in that arts design thing in January, and um, that was kind of scary too because I had to put myself out there, and I was on the studio tour part where people came to my house to see how I worked, and then I was like, okay, I need to... I was really encouraged by the, um, what's her name? I'm drawing a blank here. Bobby. Bobby. Thanks. So she encouraged me to like go ahead and like put my crochet stuff out and not just like have my paintings out there. And I was like, oh, okay, but I'm, I'm gonna paint. So I had some of that stuff on display, some of those like little crochet toys and dolls that I'd made, but I mostly just like had all my paints out and I was like painting the whole time people came through because I'm a painter you know yeah. and that was like <clears throat> you know I see your your question here I don't know if you I'm just gonna answer that one but it was like on your any failures I've had oh, yeah. well I really felt like I want to make it as an artist I want to like be a selling artist you know and I have sold a couple of paintings in my life not like two I've sold two I think that I can recall, but that's like you're not—you haven't really made it if you only sold two, right? <laughs> you know. So I, I can't say that I failed as an artist, but it was like it took me a little bit to realize, like I need to switch over, like I need to switch modes, like or this wasn't your art form, right? Because I I always loved crochet, but I never really saw that that was like art. something I could really make it with right. you know so I was like I just kept trying to like I'm gonna paint I'm, I'm gonna paint you know see that's when I met you was when you were painting right is back in February that year and I remember you we were at that meeting and you were like nope I've decided like I'm going to make it as a painter and I was like well, good for you dude like, I hadn't even, but I felt well like I hadn't <laughs> even seen any of your work or anything I was just like dude that sounds so hard to me like I was like I'm not gonna say anything because it just sounded hard I was but I was like go for it like you know well it, we have all these like galleries in town and yeah. I'm like I'm gonna join this guild and I'm gonna join yeah. that league over there and I'm going to be a part of the watercolor society and I'm going to put my stuff out there. I'm going to put myself out there I'm going to do it but then I kind of like I joined the guild the southern Utah art guild and I like put some of my paintings in their uh, local shows you know I'm like I'm putting myself out there I'm putting myself out there but it's like boy this is so hard because once again there are so many artists there's so many painters people just do it for hobby or whatever and I thought, like, oh, that's got to be my thing. I guess I'm just got to do it for a hobby and not, like, try and do it as a business because it's so hard, you know? And it's hard to know, like, what people are going to want. And then it was at that arts design thing that this lady was like, oh, you make these crochet toys too? Will you make me a unicorn? Okay. So I made her this unicorn. Okay. <laughs> no problem. I'll make you this unicorn. Um... But she, she said, you choose what colors. I just want it to be a unicorn, but you decide how it's gonna look. And so I pretty much designed that thing. You know that rainbow unicorn, yeah. that first one I made? And then again, it was one of those things like that bunny rabbit that was like, all these people are like, I want one, I want one, I want one. The funny thing is, 
each time I was like, what color would you like it to be? I want it to be exactly like that. So I ended up making like five rainbow yeah. unicorns all exactly the same. It has to be exactly like that one. Yeah. And then I think just last month in August, I did um, a custom order for someone that wanted a um, the mermaid doll. Same thing. Somebody else said, I want one too. Exactly like that one. Yeah. <laughs> Where I'm kind of like, you know, I can do anything. Like, I'm really good at this. <laughs> You know, I can do anything. Like any color you want. Curly hair, long hair, short hair, whatever you want. I can do it. But they're like, no, I want it to be exactly like that one. So I'm like, okay. So then I'm like, I'm making all these identical toys. But I really like to, I really like it when they're each unique and individual and not all exactly the same. It's more interesting for me as a maker. And... But yes, yeah, some people just say, but I like that one that I saw. I like that one, so I make it exactly like that. So I'm like, okay, all right, you're the buyer. I just, Whatever you I want. love that it, throughout your story, even like with your fails, but that you're just continually throwing yourself into the deep end of the pool. Like, <laughs> like I, I met you in February and you're like, nope, I'm going all out. I'm going to be a painter. Like I'm putting it in these galleries. It usually takes people years to put stuff in galleries. And then you jump into arts design, which is a relatively big thing. That's a huge commitment. That's a huge, it's also a huge pillar in at least the Southern Utah arts community to be a part of. Like that's a big deal. And you're just like, I'm doing it first year out. Here we go. <laughs> you know, right. like, I'm just shocked that like, cause it takes people usually years to get over that fear and to do it. And so I think that's why you've just gone so fast is you just keep throwing yourself in these deep ends of the yeah. pool. And then only be crocheting the dolls and the yeah. toys for like a year and then already having them in the store. Like that's just, that always impresses me when people oh, just really? but I go think, for it. I think sometimes it's just a uh, luck. You know, like you just happen to be in the right place at the right time. That's kind of how I felt about it. But how do you get in the right place at the right time? By constantly throwing yourself out there. That's true. You know, how I like really got to know you was like doing the farmer's market last year. And that was all like volunteer based. So, and I was like, am I totally wasting my time over here every Saturday? Like I'm not getting paid, you know? I feel that way every Saturday as well. I'm throwing myself Do you want me to edit that part out, Kat? For you, right? Questioning what I'm doing. What not am I doing here? <laughs> yeah. But then look at the opportunities it has opened up. Yeah, right. Because that was last summer, and then that gave me the confidence to do the gingerbread parade last yeah. year. Which I don't think I would have ever, ever had the confidence to do that. Yeah. But then I was like, yeah, you know, I've been meeting all these people down at the market and. This is a really great community. I love St. George. I want to give back and I want to help make it better. And then, you know, I heard that they, the Children's Museum wasn't going to do the gingerbread thing to her. And I was like, oh no, that, that's so cool. I think we should have it. And so I just asked them, like, do it, do it, do it again, and I'll help promote it for you. And they said, no, we're not going to do it. And I said, well, can I do it? Do you mind? 
No, go ahead. Yeah, and that's another thing. I got to tell you that I am so, and I told you this several times throughout the event that I was so impressed with, I was like, have you done this before? Like, because to start a nonprofit or start a public event is a lot of work. It's a shit ton of work. Like I have learned that it is a lot of work. And you, <laughs> you came out of nowhere. You, it seemed like one day you were like, they're not doing it. We're doing it. It's on like Donkey Kong. <laughs> and That's true. And you got a social media platform together on all of them. You got marketing. You got all of these businesses signed up. You got pamphlets and flyers printed out. You had like all of these uh, uh, entertainment acts show up for the thing. I was like... Okay, I, I gotta tell you, you nailed this. Like, this is such a good job. I can't even believe you did this. I was like, you should do this for a living. I had that, and when you yeah. said that to me, it was like I was in sixth grade again, being told I was a professional grandma. Yeah. Again, I was like, I am good at something. Yeah. You know, you, you real. I was real. I was really impressed. I was like, you are very good at this. So then you. On top of that, that's right around the time when you started taking custom orders for these rabbits. Right. So you were doing both of those things together. Like, I just, I don't know. That's just impressive. That is amazing, yeah. (laughs) I have to say, I couldn't have done any of that without my husband. So the fact that I am a stay-at-home mom and I had his support that I could like, is this okay with you? Because we, we talked about for years, I think this is a really difficult transition for all full-time homemaker moms when your your last kid goes into elementary school full-time and you have a lot of time on your hands you have all this time and it's like you know what are the expectations that my husband has for me does he want me to go out and earn some a lot more money for the family so that maybe he can take a little bit of a break or like maybe go down to four days uh four days a week or something like that and so that that was a big thing to like you know, I really, because when I told him, I really want to make it as an artist, but I need your support because that's like only going to cost money and, you know, because you have to invest in yourself. Yeah. It's like a, like a small business where you have to like put your own money into it yeah. before you see any, any return. So he was okay with that. And he said, it's okay. You know, like you, sh- you, you won't know if you make it, if you don't try. So I had to try and, okay, the painting thing didn't really work out. I, and I realized it too, because I've bought a couple of paintings from some of these different galleries and like, that's it. Once you buy a painting, you're not coming back to get another one because now that space on the wall has been filled and you really like that painting. And it's not like you're just gonna like take it down to the thrift store and then get another painting. Like it's a lot of money I spent, yeah. you know? And so then there was this like aha moment for me where it was like, yeah, people are going to buy paintings, but they do buy toys, you know? And so once I realized like, I just need to like put away these paints and focus on the toys, not only because I wanted to do something that could like bring in a little bit of income, but I do enjoy it. So it's not like, it doesn't even almost feel like work to me because I really enjoy it. Um, you know, each time I make something and make it a little bit different or a little bit colors, it's almost like doing a painting because it's like, look at what I made today, even though I might have like, so sometimes I do work from patterns from other people. And um, yeah, I like to I like to say that I am creative, 
But like some of these, like when I try to like really do it on my own without following a pattern, they just don't turn out as good. So I really like to work from a base pattern yeah, and then add my own flair to it to like make it more original. So a lot of them, and then I always try to credit it back. So on my Instagram, I will always say the original pattern this is based off of is by this artist or this designer. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I've made it my own, you know? So I try to give credit where it's due. But you are very creative with your dolls. Like it, it does seem like you're painting them, you know, like they're all very individual. The detail on them is incredible. Like you add, um, if you haven't seen Melissa's, uh, Melissa's toys, hop onto the Mofico mobile slash Melissa Dom's art and you can see all of those, but, or her, um, Instagram feed, but you embroider detail, you hand paint detail, you blush the cheeks by hand. Like you do all of these different things to them and they're incredible. Like I, I just, like it's, they're kind of, I like that they're a little Waldorfian and that they have a neutral facial expression, but they're so expressive and comforting. It's, it's an odd art form that you've mastered because I don't like, I don't really like toys, but I like yours. <laughs> yeah, they're cute. Thank yeah, you. they're very good. There was one that I did earlier this summer. I guess it, maybe it was like, Maybe right when quarantine started, actually, an artist reached out to me from Canada, and it's like a street artist, and he wanted a um, a doll made of this like 2D art, like logo that he has, and so I was like, oh, okay, thank you for finding me. I don't know how you found me because I'm like down here and you're up there in Canada. <laughs> I think I put like a hashtag custom orders welcome. Or something he must have found me that way through a hashtag but um that was one of the most like interesting dolls i really like sometimes i don't know if you guys do this with things that you're passionate about but you start to dream about it or like first thing in the morning you wake up and you're laying in bed and you're like i know what to do mm-hmm. you know so i knew exactly how to like turn that 2d drawing into this 3d oh, cool. doll you know and I don't know if you saw that one, but it was like the sailor dude. He was like really big, his oh, just huge yeah. arms and tattoos all over his yeah, arms. Yeah. I tried to hand embroider those tattoos, but it just wasn't working for me. So I switched over to fabric paint to make those. But that was probably the one that I was most impressed with myself, where I was like, like, damn, I'm good, you know? <laughs> I like it. Like I made That's this. Awesome. Yeah. This is like, awesome. I, I this. I own it. Yeah. I love it. That's awesome. So, uh, how much, how much time goes into making one of the dolls or animals? I tried to time myself once from like beginning to end and like the dragon that I did the other day, I am, cause that was a pattern from a book. So I could like start the timer, go through the pattern and like stop it. And I could see how long it took me to make. And I only like timed a portion of the pattern and it was like three hours for that particular pattern. But when you're like learning a pattern for the first time, it takes a little bit more time than if you like, you've made it a couple of times. So, um, and that was three hours for like the main body. 
then when it came back, I had to like put on crochet each and every one of those little spikes. I normally don't like to make um, patterns that have so much like little details like that because they take so much longer to make. So I had to make all those little spikes and then hand sew all those spikes on. And it probably was, I would say five hours for the dragon. However, I don't usually work all at once because you know, it's like a lot of like exercise yeah, yeah. for the hands. The hands get tired. I might work for an hour and then like take a break, be on Instagram, be on social media, go eat lunch, go do something else, whatever, come back and work some more. And then, so sometimes I'll start a doll one day and then like the next day it gets finished. Yeah, but if like with that one doll I did with the sailor guy with the big arms, he took several weeks. He was a big deal for me. It was like, I really had to think, there was a lot of thinking like, how, how do I, you know, I have to like increase stitches here and decrease stitches there, increase, decrease, try this different kind of a stitch to get the look that I want for this guy. And so there was just a lot more thought that went into that. And then sometimes I have to like, ugh, this isn't, this isn't turning out. And you have to pull all the yarn out, start all over again, you know? I actually had that with this yeah, cat. Yeah, I know. That's what happens with every crochet project I start. I had that with this cat that I made this weekend because the cat pattern has like, it's like what part of the skin is white and it's like a black cat with like white patches here and there. And I was like, this isn't turning out. And I restarted that head three times before I could like move on, you know, like... This is so hard. Like sometimes the hardest thing with some of these patterns is when the, um, they have color changes. Mm. Like on um, that penguin doll that's out there, you're like, it starts out in blue yarn and then you gotta like switch to, to white and then back to blue again, back to white, back to blue. And you have to do it in such a way that like you don't mess up the stitches and it looks good. And then you don't pull too hard on this string before like this next piece of yarn comes in again. It's just a whole thing that it's yeah. like. It seems like a whole thing. When I like look at it, I'm like, that just looks so hard. Cause I know it what is. part you're talking about, like the chest where it variegates down into the white. Right. And I'm just like, that looks And if hard. I pick up that string, the yarn, and I like crochet it into it, like behind, you can kind of see it. Mm -hmm. Like you can kind of see like, oh, there, I can see where the string is hidden, like in the work, you know, if you don't hide it, then sometimes it makes it wonky looking. I don't know. Yeah. And doesn't help keep the shape and stuff. So it's like, oh, how do these experts do this? You know, well, so you're, you're I'm still learning how <laughs> I'm still learning, you know, yeah. I'm still like learning new techniques all the time. Awesome. And, but I'm good enough now. And I feel like I've been crocheting long enough that I even tell the pattern designer sometimes like I've made this pattern a couple of times now and I've figured out a way to do it better than you have shown in the books so I'm putting this out there I love it true story you know I'm putting this out there if anybody comes across this pattern work this pattern backwards and you won't have these problems you know that's awesome so, yeah that is really cool I like and, it and sometimes I will even like email the designer and I'll let them know like hey I did this pattern and I noticed this isn't written correctly, so you might want to change that for like the next buyer or something. Anyways. So you've gotten to the point where you're like, I'm good enough. I'm going to work this pattern backwards. Like you, yeah. when you, when you get bored, you're like, okay, we're going backwards. And then you're like, wow, it's so much easier. It's so much easier. Really? Yeah. That's cool. Amazing. 
Well, I don't know, because designers are maybe, they're good at, like, conceptualizing, like, something, and then the, and they bring it. But then it's like, I sometimes wonder, like, how many pattern testers did you have working on this before you released it? Because if your pattern testers are good, they would have said, do this backwards, you know? Write this backwards. Go in a different order. It's so much easier if you go in a different order. It's just my experience. That's awesome. <laughs> That's really interesting. And one thing, so with some of your dolls, you can take the clothes off, right? And like put on different outfits and stuff. Like, can you make other outfits for some of them? Yeah. I haven't really had anybody reach out to me and say, make me a doll and make five different outfit changes. Yeah. They usually are just like, well, a lot of people are so know challenge their children. Accepted. <laughs> so, <laughs> challenge accepted. Challenge uh, accepted. <laughs> I think most people are just like, oh no, my kids will lose those. Oh. So um, you know how kids are. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, make make it so the clothes can't come off. Because oh. they don't want it to like the little shoes to get lost. Like that Annie doll had like the shoes you could take off and the doll, you, uh, the yeah. dress you could take off. And then, and then the kid loses it, and then it's like, I have this naked doll. It's like when you were kids and you had the, all these naked Barbies running around. So, I have this naked doll. <laughs> I have this naked Barbie doll. I love it. I carry it around by the hair. It's a redhead. <laughs> so I think that's why a lot of people haven't even asked, asked for that, because I guess a lot of parents are like realistic and they're like oh no oh no just make it so it doesn't come off that's a good point yeah i was thinking about my little girl i should get one for her but i think she would like it if like some of the stuff matched her stuff and then she could like change it out and match her yes i think it depends she would like how old is she she's three oh that's very interesting because my 14 year old really likes these dolls and still plays with dolls her daughter is 14. Like, so she's, she's like that. When you meet Piper. Three going on 13. Yeah, yeah. She is a fully functioning adult with opinions. Right. And so it's my oldest daughter that will also, she'll come and like, oh, what are you working on? And she will change all the clothes out and change them around and do a little photo shoot with the dolls. So cute. But like usually three-year-olds, not yours, but other ones, my other three-year-olds, they would have just lost them and, and like left them and disappeared. Yeah, she's very girl. conscious of where all her stuff is. Like if something's she missing, is. she's like, where is my unicorn? Where is right. my pink unicorn? And she's very conscious of what is hers. Yes. Like um, Anna gave me some of the first hand-me-down stuff, like just these gorgeous little pieces for my um, upcoming baby. And Piper immediately saw it. Like, that's this is mine. Like, that is mine. You give it back. That's my. Like she was. <laughs> and she hadn't worn them in she, months. Yeah, like I kept them in a box. Six months, and she's like, "Give me my stuff back, lady." And every time she sees me, she's like, "Where's my dress? Where's my rompers?" And I'm like, "You outgrew it, kid." <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Piper. <laughs> I gave him back to your mom. Leave me alone. <laughs> I guess if a mom really knew their kid well enough and knew that they were like, oh, they're going to want the the outfit changes and it's okay. My kid is different then. Yeah. But nobody's asked me for that yet. I could do it. Yeah. You know? That'd be awesome. I think she'd like that. Christmas present. It would be fun too for me. 
as a maker, it would be fun to like, okay, I made this dress and I got this one and I got this one, you know? Yeah. It would be cute for her, for the doll to look like that. That's what I was too. thinking, yeah. The hair like, match and everything, just like a mini Piper. And I could send you pictures of like her dresses that she likes to wear so she could have yeah. matching outfits. Or what you're going to make her for Christmas. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is what I have in the lineup. That'd be fun. <laughs> That's true. I did have a friend that reached out to me and she had me make one that looks just like her little girl. And she's also a homesteader. She has a farm out in um, Virginia. Oh, that's awesome. And she was like, okay, give her overalls. Don't put a t-shirt underneath because that's how my kid is. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so she had these like big, it had like these big boots with it. Cause this is how her little girl dresses with like the big boots, her overalls with no t-shirt on underneath. I love it. And, and then she said, and give her a little hat with a little unicorn horn on it. So it had that too. Give her a little bag, make the bag this color. I just like, okay. But the more instructions, the better. Yeah. I feel like sometimes. And then she said when she opened it up, she knew it was her. Oh, she oh, was like, it's me. You that's know? so cute. Oh, I love it. It's me. <laughs> Six years old, seven years old, whatever she was, something in that age range. She just yeah. looked at it and was like, it's me. That's you know? That's mini me, my mini me doll. I really you know? feel like you need to do this for Piper. I know I'm gonna have to. I might have to do one for Ford though too, because he always wants me to make him stuff, yeah. and I always feel bad because boy patterns are just hard, like with clothes. Mm. But I, maybe I could do a mini Ford doll too, and he yeah. can just be covered in mud. Yeah, with the chicken. With the chicken. Oh yeah. To do some little pets with them too. Yeah. You know, like a little pig or whatever. Yeah. Oh, they'd love it. She has goats, a beagle. Yeah, and then a bulldog, a guinea pig, and chickens. Fun. Uh, what's something that you wish people who are buying had made gifts understood? Hmm. Well, I have had a couple of people kind of like gawk. I don't know if that's the right word, but like they're kind of like, oh, that's too much money. Like when I tell them like, okay, like, what do you want? How should it look? How tall do you want it to be? And I'll come back with like $90 and they're like, you know, and I'm like, you know, this takes me a long time to make, you know, including the supplies and supplies. And, and not only that, but like, I'm coming at it with years of experience that I'm bringing with it, you know, and it's, it's going to be a good quality at all. Also, if I make something and it doesn't look right, I'm not going to give it to you. I'm going to do it over again and make sure it's right. So maybe that would be the only thing. Most people aren't surprised by the price and they're like, okay. And they send the money right over and I'm like, gee, I could have asked more, you know, (laughs) but I've had a couple of people like, um, I, I have had a couple of people request certain things I've made them and then they just disappeared on me like they just don't pay and they're like yeah I'll I'll get the money soon and then they just you know whatever ghost you (laughs) oh that sucks (laughs) or or they they might straight up say like oh I've changed my mind I'm like you can't change your mind on a custom order but they have they've just said I changed my mind because in the past I haven't always asked for money up front because I just think, well, you're good for it. You asked for it, and I told you how much it was going to be, and then I made it. So mm. you pay now, you know? And so, so sometimes I've had to say, like, okay, you have to pay up front. 
I don't really want to take money up front though. I'd really rather like make it first and then you pay for it because what if I take your money and then I die next week? You know? <laughs> I don't want that on my conscience. <laughs> Let me make it first and then you pay for it. What about know? like a 50% deposit or something? Yeah, I haven't thought about that. I guess I'm not that business savvy. Oh. <laughs> I'm so glad Mofaco came along because I'm like, oh, I've been like doing this as like a, just as a hobby business. And so for what I've read about like this tax code stuff, if it's a hobby business and you don't make that much money, you don't have to charge sales tax. And I'm like, okay, that's good. Cause I, that's a whole nother ball game. I don't even know how to figure that stuff out. You know, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, like, it's I don't like know how to do that. A either. whole nother headache to like open up this website Utah Gov, whatever, and try to figure out how much to give and or take on top of whatever. And then I, w- I just wish it was easier. I wish they'd make that easier for small businesses. Yeah. And then when Mofaco came along and said, hey, and then I said, well, are you guys going to charge sales tax? Because <laughs> I told her, I was like, the only thing that might be different because when we were originally going through this with uh, the tax department, because I hate taxes too. Yeah, um, yeah. Taxation is theft. <laughs> well, no, it's just so confusing. <laughs> but anyway. Anyways. Um, <laughs> it's, just, it's just like... I'm, I'm willing to pay taxes, but make it easier, yeah, you know? Like, just tell me. Um, but if we actually have a central checkout, even though there's different artists in there, we have to be the one charging sales tax. So that's what it came back as, even though it's like varied artists and it's like an indoor farmer's market, as long as it's a central checkout, we have to charge the tax. We're responsible for that. Well, that would be the same as if I went and sold on Etsy or eBay, they also sell, do the sales tax. And then the you know the person back behind here or wholesaler however you want to like then i just like i pay my income tax yeah. i know how to do that yeah <laughs> you're like i just gotta put my profit and loss on here boom bye <laughs> right but yeah so yeah i think it's good too because um a lot of artists that i you know like i in the 1099 when you get like that schedule c and you cross into 1099s it's if you go through somebody to have it done it's an additional it's automatically like $250 more to just file it so even if you don't um make a ton of money off of it or it's a one time sale all of a sudden you're paying your tax preparer 250 extra dollars just cuz you have that schedule c so um and then when i was talking to a couple of the artists i would it just became evident that i think that they're paying double tax because if they're buying it from someplace and they're paying tax for that item and they give you a schedule c that's saying that that item wasn't taxed and so that's what what are you saying like if i go and buy my yarn supplies over here i paid a tax oh yeah so that's fine but like i'm talking about like if you're doing galleries so if you hang your if you had your dolls in there and they're checking out at a gallery the the gallery charges sales tax but then they tell they issue you a 1099 and you pay tax on top of that 1099 is saying that no taxes have been taken off of that money oh so i see so and then you have to file it and then you're paying taxes again on that 
And that doesn't... And that's why taxation is... That's what I meant by that statement. Yes. So... <laughs> I'm I kidding. Mean, like, Double charged her. Yeah. So, I, I mean, like, it makes sense for, like, teachers when they have you come in and teach a class because they haven't taxed anything f- on your teacher's fee or anything like that. But when you are selling in a gallery, they're charging tax. So it shouldn't be a 1099. Which is, and so when I was starting to explore that and talking to the tax department, they were like, yeah, no, that's not how that works. You just give them their inventory and they claim a profit and loss. So if I'm wrong about that, if you're an owner of a gallery and you would like to clarify what the tax department said to me, please reach out because it was really confusing and it took, and it actually like was a snafu that we worked on and called and ran by people for two and a half weeks because it was just not what's being done. You see a tax and all these like things you have to do as an artist sometimes kind of um, make it so people don't do it. It deters you. So instead of like, yeah, I'm going to go start my own business or I'm going to, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be, do this art or do this. I'm going to make this and sell it. And all of a sudden it's like, I got to do, this tax thing and I have to fill out this with the city and I gotta do that and, and it's like eh, forget it. Yeah, that's how I feel about the farmer's market and I feel that way about MoFaCo too, is if I hadn't already in, like had a relationship with farmers, had a relationship with the artisans, if I was just like I want to start a farmer's market and I had to go through what I went through I would not, I, would, I wouldn't have done it. The city was great, like they tried to help me as much as they could but it was hard. It was, there was so much and we'd get this far and then that wasn't right and then you'd have to get this and it was just going back and forth and there's all these different codes and just to put on a farmer's market it took to continue a farmer's market that had been going for 12 years just to continue it it took about four and a half months of paperwork going back and forth and it's gotten so much better now that I'm aware of that but like they already knew what was going on you know, and it was still this, it was just, it was so hard. It was just, but I do agree with that. I am totally against the paperwork. I hate paperwork. it. I hate it so much. All right. If you could start all over, what's one thing that you wish you would have known before about crocheting or making things for other people that you needed to get a deposit? Oh, yeah, that's later. Yeah, that's later on. So what would you say motivates and inspires you? Okay. (laughs) So I'm one of those people that, like, collects stuff. But I can't really afford to collect stuff. So I've been doing it through Pinterest by just collecting images or on Instagram or whatever. And so um, if I come across, like, a children's book illustration, I really love children's book illustration. Um, and so there's several different, what do you call those, like graphic designers and artists that I follow. And so I see them in my feed on a regular basis and I'm like, oh, I want to make something that looks like that character that they've designed. And so I think, I don't know, there's just something really fun and playful and whimsical about some of the different designers and I, I like it. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel like a sense of like happiness to see like, oh, that's so cute. Look at that image. I want to recreate that into something that they like you could hold, you know? And so that that's where I probably get my most inspiration from or from drawings. 
That's really cool. Children's book illustrators. They're awesome. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, when you get a good one. I, I mean, like, I know what you're talking about, but there's like, you know, when you're at the library like with the, the kids generic art, and then you pull out the ones that are like amazing and you're, you're just stunned. Like as a mom, yeah. I'm like, this is the most beautiful book and we're going to read it every night. Like, I know. I understand Sometimes that. Yeah. I, I see books too that like the story's not even that good, but the, the art is so good. Well, I'm it's completely, like they're not even connected. Like my mom was telling me the author can't pick who does the pictures. Like it, they're completely separate. Like whoever signs the book, or whatever the handles that. Yeah, yeah. they oh, take really? care of that. Yeah. So the people who write it have no say, unless they publish it themselves. Unless they're self-published. I yeah. didn't know that. I know. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Well, there's really a lot of good artists out there right now. Yeah. I think also because of the World Wide Web and that you can like follow people yeah. on Instagram or wherever that, like I'm like I'm finding so many different artists out there that I never knew existed and these people are awesome you know I love that if I could have gone back in time I might have became a graphic designer I will say that I kind of, college kind of let me down a little bit I have to say I'm, I'm telling my children like what do you want to do and let me be your guidance counselor you know yeah no I say that all the time is when I was growing up there were four jobs there was like public service, like fireman, policeman, there was doctor, there was lawyer, and there was computer programmer. Like there was no, no one ever told me that I could spend or grow up and hunt extinct apple varieties in New York. Like nobody told me that I could be a graphic designer that focused on kids books. Nobody told me that there was all these options. And so since I didn't fit in any of those, it was just like, I didn't even try. Not only that, yeah. but when you go to a college and they, they're supposed to have classes that, you know, like your senior year, you're supposed to be in that class where they tell you how you can apply this degree. You don't just have to become an English teacher. You can do something else with your English degree, right? Yeah, none of those. I never heard. Well. That's not ringing a bell to me. <laughs> they didn't have that class for you. See, that's why I feel like, what? I know that, like, college is just another business, but it's like, they need to be better at that business if they're going to help you yeah, find a but career. but it's a business that has steps that they're not doing. Like, it's a I business so. where they're supposed to be doing these things, and they're not. Well, I mean, maybe they are now. Maybe, maybe. there's a difference, because you know, my daughter yeah, these kids are- is, like, 14, and she's like, we have this career class at middle school where we like learn how to do this, learn how to do that, explore different careers. And I'm like, man, thank goodness they're already starting you at 14 because I went to a college, a college, mind you, <laughs> that didn't help prepare me. Like I, I went into college thinking I'm going to have my own business when I get out and I'm going to be totally prepared. Yeah. So entrepreneurship and then like small business management has always interested me. And I think that's because my dad is self-employed. So, I don't even know why I even went to college. I should have skipped it and learned everything from a book. But I went because that's what was expected of right. me. Go to college. You'll figure it out, right? And I took a couple of business management classes thinking, like, I'm going to be a business major. But everything was, like, corporate finance related. Yeah. It was how to step into someone else's business. 
Yeah, but like I was like, these, this is the corporate world. This is your fit, your cog piece. Right. This is what we can teach you instead of doing it and creating it for yourself. Exactly. So like after a couple of those classes, I was like, maybe I should change majors because this isn't really what I thought I was going to like get. And then I went and talked to my guidance counselor at the college and she was like, oh, just go through our book of classes that circle all the classes that sound interesting to you. And that will be your major. Instead of saying like, what do you want to do when you get out of here? Let's design a major for you using these classes. Or maybe she could have just said, take the marketing and communications class. As long as you can market yourself, you can do anything. Right. You know, it's only after I left that I'm like, should have done this major, you know? <laughs> and I'm, I actually am in, in love with the rise of the tech school that's like coming around now is where kids... Our kids are even before they're 18. They're learning how to be mechanics, or they're learning, yeah, you know, all the like, trade skills. All of these kids are graduating with like welding skills. And yeah, I was like, that's amazing. That is like, amazing. I did welding in high school. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> I never got to make anything artistic, though. I'm bummed about that. But you know, I can handle pipes. <laughs> I could do that that stig thing, you know. I caught myself on fire once. Oh my gosh, gosh, that that sounds terrifying. (laughs) So don't ever wear torn jeans to a welding class. Lessons. (laughs) There's a life lesson for you kids. Early 90s life lesson. Jeans are bad for welding. (laughs) So you answered the failed app. What's your biggest success? What have you learned from all this? Don't do it alone. Yeah. That's probably my biggest success. Like, okay, I guess you can kind of do it alone, but not really. Like, I feel so much more successful just joining up with you guys, Mofeco, because otherwise I'm by myself trying to self-promote all the time. Right. And, like, it's a lot slower to do the um, the word of mouth, like, friend yeah. referrals and stuff like that. I guess it's you can do it, but it's, it's slower. Yeah. So... If you don't have to do it alone, you should definitely join up with a co-op or some kind of a gallery or something. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's good. That's a good pointer. Yeah. I like it. Okay. Well, we are moving on to our final questions now. So in your opinion, what makes Utah special? Utah people working together. Have you heard that one? We're the beehive state, right? So we're supposed to work like a colony of bees? Is that well, like that? I think I heard that from a missionary one no, time. No, it is. We are the beehive state. It is a Mormon thing. And it's. I didn't mean that in a derogatory way. But they're, you know, in their early days, they were all very... They likened themselves unto like the like hives, a colony, so yeah, we're all working for good. We're all working for the same thing, um, or whatever. Yeah, which is very misleading when people come to the Beehive State and want to do honey tours. We don't have those here. We should have those. It's a nickname. I know. I'm I'm working on it. But cool, cool. That's so funny. Cool. No, I I like that. I think because I am originally from St. George, and I kind of have that identity. Mm-hmm. With the beehive state, with like, um, you know, being industrious, and maybe it's like part of my like genetics as well, because my dad is self-employed, and um, so there there's something about like Utah being this industrious place, and we're working hard to like just get the 
job done, whatever. Yeah. It's, you see it all over the state. They're very scrappy. I will give you that. Like coming from pioneer stock, you make what you can with what you got and you're resourceful. And because of that, it, it makes some amazing stuff. So I agree. I would. And this place is so beautiful too. And you know, I couldn't wait to come back here actually. I really loved living in the Netherlands. It was really a special place to live. But, um, and it was actually a little bit difficult for me to like initially move back here. My husband was like, hey, we're coming up on 10 years. I've been looking at our finances. We're, we're good to go. We can move back. And I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm really in my comfort zone now. Maybe, maybe we could <laughs> just stay. <laughs> yeah. I've been making friends. I have a network of people that like I'm good with here. The kids are all in school here. Why don't we just stay? And he was like, uh, no. <laughs> I did my time. <laughs> That's right. I can't take this weather anymore. <laughs> We're going somewhere where it's sunny. I guess me and your husband have that in common. Like the seasonal affective disorder. Like that's how I feel about Montana. I'm like, I... Well, it's cold and cloudy pot most of the year, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's really, it's yeah. really hard for me to go back to Montana. Because a lot of the time when I have time to go to Montana, it's in the winter. Because, you know, in the summer, I'm here for the farmer's market. So I have to go back <laughs> into the winter. And I'm like... The worst time of year to go there. living up here? There's only four hours of sunlight and it's freezing. <laughs> Is there really? Oh, my gosh. I I'll just like that, though, I, mean, I guess. I went so. up there in, like... February and I, I mean like I no exaggeration the sun was only out for like five and a half hours and I was like the first day <laughs> like, you know I didn't realize how bad the Netherlands was because when you're there you're just kind of used to that was that's your normal right when I look back at my like Instagram photos from when I was there I'm like wow in every single one of these photos it's overcast yeah there's not one sunny day in my photos from like when the children were little outside playing at playgrounds or whatever. It's always overcast. So even if it's not, doesn't rain as much as like Oregon or something. Um, it's still cloudy. It's still cloudy. It's overcast. And so seeing the sun, like you talk about up there, it's like, yeah, it's, it's light in the sky, but you don't actually see the sun until like maybe when the sun sets and it peeks out over the uh, horizon there, you see it for like five minutes okay. and then it's gone. There's the sun. You know? It, well, and when we, so we moved here and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And you know, and then I got promoted to Denver and I remember Denver, when you go to Denver, they're like, we have more sunny days in Florida. And I'm like, no, you absolutely do not. <laughs> like coming from a place that does have sunshine, 364 days out of the year. <laughs> like we have the one off where there's no sun. And I'm just like, no, this is not sunshine at all. I don't know how you guys have convinced yourself that <laughs> it's so sunny here. Yeah. And it's like blue skies most of the time, you all know, time. except oh, yeah. for when there's like, oh, there's smoke in the sky or whatever. But yeah. it's like, and then monsoon season, it only sets in and gets cloudy in the afternoon. Yeah. Like during the morning. It's usually it's, at night. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, uh, no, I, I get like, especially, so I get that, that your husband's like, no, we need to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> he, like, so for like living in St. George, he's like, every day feels like a vacation to me. Oh, wow. See, me this too. is, this is different in the Netherlands. You get 
like 35 vacation days a year. So I'm like, are you sure you want to give this up to live in America? This is a lot of vacation time. You're not going to get this anywhere. (laughs) But he's like, but I feel like I'm on vacation every day over here. It's so beautiful, like to open up the windows, blue skies, you know, palm trees, depending on your neighbors, whatever. Yeah. It's like, this is paradise. So it doesn't matter if I have to go to work. He enjoys his job too, so that helps. It doesn't matter that but you overall, work. the happiness factor, yeah. Yeah, it's, I feel that. it's better here. So. It is better here. Don't but the chocolate, here. the chocolate is better elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> There's better chocolate everywhere else, and it's go an to, awful place to go live, to Belgium. So don't come yeah. here. <laughs> Get it. it this is, is a, a nice place to it be. It is a really cool place. I just, I just worry about how fast we're expanding. You know what? It seems like people kind of stay in their own neck of the woods. Like, I know a lot of women out in Little Valley and like they they never leave there they're always out there and they just shop whatever's closest to them so it's not to me it doesn't feel crowded like if you're up in um, Orem or something it's so crowded up there yeah Salt Lake is State bad. Street if you have to be around State Street or something it's terrible mm-hmm. but uh and so every time I visit family up there I'm like ugh can't wait to leave you know and then you come back down here, and I'm like, so much better here. Yeah. Even when it's crowded here, it's still better than anywhere St. else. George, the sweatpants of Utah. <laughs> the sweatpants? <laughs> it's like when you get home and put on your sweatpants, you're like, ah, oh, this is yeah. nice. But you I don't... can still go to the store. <laughs> In the winter, you can wear sweatpants. Otherwise, the rest of the time, you know. Yeah. My son, as soon as he gets home from school, he takes his shirt off. That's my son. He gets naked. is down to his underwear. It's literally, he walks to the door, kicks off his shoes, and he's just... Underwear time. Underwear, yep. Yeah. I feel like that means they're well-adjusted, though. And then, I think you've answered, do you have a favorite book or social media account or inspirational that you find profound, or do you want to give a name? Well, okay. There's a, there's a book that I'm going through, that's slowly going through the patterns right now. That's a lot of fun. And the it's called... Um, the Animal Friends of Pika Pau, I think is how you pronounce it. She's a designer out of, um, I think she's from Argentina. I could be wrong, but in South America somewhere. And um, she only just started crocheting in 2007. So she's a relatively um, like new at it. I've come across a lot of actually, a lot of des- um, pattern designers, crochet designers that are like really creative and really good at their their art and they only just started so I really feel like you don't have to wait till you're my age I'm 42 this year you don't have to wait till you're older I know (laughs) I'm middle-aged I guess I don't know but like that's that's the thing that really shocks me is a lot of the designers that I come across they're like in their 20s and they're really creative and they they're putting out books and stuff or they just start their own Etsy and then so they're like taking pictures of their stuff and like selling their pattern and I've bought several of these patterns from these young designers and it's just I'm like gosh why why wasn't I doing that when I was 20 because I had already been crocheting for years by that point but it never occurred to me that like and it wasn't there you could do that back then you know yeah so yeah I think because of Etsy and these other things um I, I'm really appreciative of these young designers coming out and making stuff. But that woman who has that book, she has the um, the frog pattern that I just oh, did. Yeah. 
And so after I make a pattern, I'll go and um, like look at the hashtag for that pattern. Like that's Victor Frog. So I've looked at Victor Frog and I'm like, wow, so many people have some, they've like imagined up and changed the pattern just a little bit. And I'm like, oh, look at this, look at that. Look at how they made that. Like one of them made, crocheted a little like knapsack and had like a big fish in it. Like he just came from oh, fishing. Oh, Do frogs eat fish? No, no. So my kids are like, mom, you need to. It's like, I'm not going on record for this. I have no I don't idea. know. That's funny, right? So my kid said, mom, you need to make a fly. A fly for him to catch. Yeah, there you go. So I was like, okay, yeah, or I'll do a that. Net full of like just little bugs. Like bugs. Yeah. A bug net. A like bug a little net. like he was out catching butterflies that'd or something. Yeah. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I like seeing those different ideas that other um, you know makers came up with, and then like borrow from different people when I go make again. That's awesome. But yeah, that's a fun book that I've been going through. So then, why should people buy local food and support local farmers and makers? Why should they do it? What's a good reason? I don't know, but I <laughs> like the hashtag buy local and support local. I'm into it like really big. I know, I was like, I'm surprised that you're like, I don't have a good answer for that because you literally do everything you can to support local. You like go to all these local restaurants, you post food reviews, like you do the Southern Utah art pursuit. I know, that's just my hobby. That's just a hobby of mine. Like I really love. So your hobby is being local. Yeah. My hobby is like, hey, look at these cool people in town. Let's support them. Because if you didn't support them, they'd probably go away, there, right? The That's probably the yeah. reason why. It's like, why do you want to support this local frozen yogurt shop? So that it stays here. That's yeah. why. Yeah. So sure. that's that. why. <laughs> but it's kind of hard to like, why should you? It, it will leave if you don't. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've been like online tooting my horn all the time. Like, hey, you guys, someone put in a skating ring. I'd love to go skating. Anyways, I heard there's a skating ring coming. Yeah, I think there. Is yeah, there? I've heard that too. Really? Yeah. I've always wanted to learn. I've never been good at it though. I'm not good at it either, but I wouldn't mind having a part-time job as a DJ <laughs> at the skating ring. <laughs> Do you know how to DJ? I love it. You're just gonna throw yourself into the deep end of the school. No, I don't know how to DJ, but all you have to do is play music off of the computer. Like they have the computer. Kids come up, they, they request songs, you play their songs, and when there's no request, you get to play what you want to play. And I play trance. I need to bring it to St. George, you know? Trance Thursdays. Yeah. It could even be like some throwback trance from like early 2000s. Some really good stuff back then. Anyways. Any kind of dance music. I love it. I love it. I love it. Skating ring appropriate music. If, uh, so if listeners want to learn more about you and all that you're doing, how can they find you? How can they find me? They can yeah. find me on Instagram or Facebook. And is it, it's Melissa Dom's art. Melissa Dom's art. But with two A's. Dom's is, has two A's. D-A-A-M-S. It's Dutch. Okay. If that's too hard for you to look up, um, find me at Gingerbread Parade. Find me at S-U Art Pursuit. Southern Utah Art Pursuit. Or you can find all of your toys at the Mofaco shop. Go to the Mofaco website. Yeah. 
www.mofacomobile.com slash Melissa Dom's Art. Or Just go to the main site and then you can scroll down and find or me. Or visit, visit us at her brick and mortar at 55 North Main Street, St. George, Utah, 84770. Edit that one in. I will. I'll <laughs> put that in there. Okay. Right. Well, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you would like to share? I don't think so. I think we got a lot. That it's was too fun. Bad. It's too bad that it isn't. I can see why some people would want um, video, not just audio. Because you guys, everyone listening misses out on all the facial expressions. They don't need them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. This has actually been one of my favorites. Yeah, this is really fun. I, I, your delight, Melissa. Isn't that funny? I was really nervous to come in here, too. Do you feel better now? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It'll be yeah. good. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure excited. that cookie I ate before helped, too. <laughs> Buy local. Buy local. <laughs> well, this was awesome. Thank you, Melissa, for talking with us today. Oh, we yes. really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank yeah. you. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you found this podcast, especially on iTunes. If you have a specific question that you would like to ask us or our farmers, makers, or educators, send us an email at podcast at mofacoutah.com and let us know. Another way to support this podcast is by becoming a supporting member starting at only $2 a month. We have different levels of membership that grant access to special members-only swag like shirts, hats, bags, magnets, and stickers that show your support for your local community. To learn more, please visit mofacoutah.com slash podcast slash support. Make sure you are following us on Facebook and Instagram at mofacoutah. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back in your feed in two weeks. But until then, we hope hope to to see you at the farmer's market. The music for this episode was created by Southern Utah local Jake Shepard.